Courtney. Welcome to the Run Free Podcast. Happy to be here. It's been a long time coming. You've been avoiding the podcast for a while. <laughs> I have been, and at all Run Free interviews as well. Which is surprising because you're currently interviewing for NPR. Do you want, let's start there. Oh, yeah. That's been a long time in the coming, really. just It all started at the VanCast, though, back in... Uh, when was that, July? Yeah, the Run Free Vancast with all of our coaches. Podcast. So it was an epic podcast, and that's when I knew my true calling was in the radio speaking career, whatever yeah. you call that. But then the podcast didn't air because we had technical error, so I gave up on all hopes of that. But NPR contacted me last week, so <laughs> it's back we'll on. see. It's back on. <laughs> all right, well, besides building your NPR portfolio, let's go through a typical day in the life of Courtney. I think a lot of people are probably interested. What does a pro runner's life look like from sunrise to sundown? So maybe run through that. Yeah, totally. So I'm kind of in a new realm transitioning from the track to trail world. So my days look a little different. Um, So I guess you'll get track, trail, pro, hybrid edition, something like that. Ooh, this Um, could be a first. (laughs) (laughs) Normally sleep in till about you know seven seven thirty when Obi jumps on my face and tells us it's time to get up and get going. Um, and Obi's your son. Obi is our son who. And you are um, grandma of six. Yes, to you who has his wife. Yes, his wife Mita lives it's a with us. Complicated. So family. we're actually related. Yeah. People don't know this, but you we're and I are actually related. In laws. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Something. Whatever. Like. Yeah. Dog in laws. <laughs> yeah, dog in laws. <laughs> yeah, so Courtney has little Obi, who is a miniature Siberian Husky that is married, unofficially married to Mita, our Siberian Husky. And they not co raised because Obi wasn't really in the picture. <laughs> He's a horrible father. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't really there a lot. Uh, but Mita had six, six puppies that were Obi's, and now they're out in the world. and Making other families happy. Anyways, total side note. Let's go, <laughs> let's go back to Obi jumping on you in bed at 7.30. Yeah, all right. 7.30, wake up. Um, first things first, you know, nice cup of coffee. I am I definitely call myself a coffee snob, so I'm getting, like, high-quality beans, making, you know, some fancy, stupid thing. Pour uh, over. Pour over? French press sometimes. But I've noticed the French press gets a little gritty at the bottom. I okay. really like those gritties. Fav- favorite origin? Of coffee. Oh no! See, single I'm origin not, or mixed? Uh, I I don't know. I could do either, but a single origin's nice because it's okay. pure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, favorite region of single origin coffee? Oh, Ethiopia. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. You like the fruity notes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, yeah, a coffee yeah. snob in the house too. Of course, yeah. I mean, I know all things Ethiopia. Love that. Um, yeah, coffee, breakfast. How much coffee? Oh, uh, one cup, really. I think it's normally 300 grams. That's probably not a cup. That's probably like two, but it's a large cup. So myself, 40-ounce mug, half a cup a day. I'm a half oh, a cup a day kind of guy, yeah, you know? that's right. I have a lot of self-control. Wait, so half 20 cup. ounces what you have? Yeah, half cup. That's not a half cup. <laughs> that's three and a half. No, no. That's a, no, I have a 40-ounce mug, so it's a half a cup. This is how you drink a lot of coffee without feeling guilty about it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just you need a bigger mug, you can call it a half a cup. <laughs> okay. Um, coffee and breakfast, breakfast, you know, simple. Um, and they'll actually Hold on, s- let's go back to breakfast, simple. <laughs> a lot of people are very confused about breakfast before running. Mm, so yeah, that's good. you need to actually tell the secret. I know you don't want to, I'm prying this out of your hands right now, mm-hmm. but what do you actually eat for breakfast yeah. before you run? It's dino egg oatmeal. <laughs> you can dino egg oatmeal? You can literally ask my husband, I bought it today at the store. <laughs> and he's like, what is this crap you're eating? Okay, so this brings up a huge conflict between Courtney and I. Huge conflict. <laughs> Sugar. Sugar, <laughs> yes. Sugar cereals in particular. So what is dino oatmeal? I can You've only imagine it? it must be the eggs are sugar, aren't they? You've Pure never sugar. had it. No. Yeah, the eggs. And when you pour the hot water in, the dinos hatch. <laughs> <laughs> You've never had dino egg oatmeal. No, I've never it's even Quaker. heard of dino Come on. <laughs> so is it super sweet or what? It's Yeah, it's like the maple brown sugar, but then they add the little dino eggs. So, oh, my you know. goodness. Okay. Not that I eat that every morning, but I I did buy it this morning for this next week, so we'll see okay. how it goes. Guys, please 
Don't bike down. <laughs> just don't listen to anything Courtney just said. I wish I didn't ask that question. <laughs> I'm already setting a horrible precedent for all my athletes, all these people listening to this. Yeah, I just eat straight sugar for breakfast. Yeah, so Courtney and I have a conflict about what's considered sugar cereal and non-sugar oh cereal. Oh my goodness. So shoot a DM to Courtney mm -hmm. if you think Berry Kicks mm -hmm. is not a sugar cereal. Shoot a DM to <laughs> me if you think it is a sugar cereal. I'm Ryan Hall 3. Courtney, you are at CP Barnes. At CP Barnes. We're going to see who. We're going to settle this once all and right, for all. Alright, yeah. Well, it's not super sugary compared to Lucky Charms or something. <laughs> so anyway, besides the point. <laughs> Dynamite oatmeal. Okay. <laughs> it's a classic. Um, yeah, that's what I'm eating for breakfast. Perhaps something a little bit different like other oatmeal. But and I can but see why you wanted to keep that a secret. <laughs> you tried to just slide that right past me. And, <laughs> and I said it straight to your eyes. Don't know I got <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, so I'm <laughs> eating that. And then I'll actually work a few hours before I head out to run. So I, um, I'd probably assume you're going to ask me what I do for that. So I'll answer yeah, myself. Why don't you go ahead and steal <laughs> all my questions, Courtney? <laughs> what am I even here for? I'll just let you do the whole podcast. Um, I'm actually... Uh, studying to get my degree in science education and so I'm employed by Northern Arizona University and I work um, in education research and I work on a like big NASA grant that helps develop middle school curriculum for STEM learning which is really cool um, but I also run free coach and so you know I, sh I split my time through the week with half and half and so whatever I feel motivated to do in the morning I'll do that. Um, I'm not going to ask you what your favorite is. <laughs> Good. Keep going. Yeah, Keep it also going. depends on the day. If it's a bigger workout day, I may be looking at the the students, the athletes, um, athlete stuff. But maybe um, if I have a deadline for a project, then I need to get that done. So I like. I'm super a morning person. I'm super productive in the morning. I don't think I function um, productively past two p.m. in the day. So you know, seven Unless to two. You're drinking an A shock. Oh yeah. And then, of course, you can record podcasts yeah. and go for hours. No caffeine after the morning, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Let this bad boy sit here. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I'll get some work done, and then I will usually do that, and I'll say, okay, well, I should do work for two hours. And then what I end up doing is doing work for an hour, and then I start route planning my trail run for an hour, mm. <laughs> which means getting on maps, looking at maps, um, starting mapping out anything I can to make something a loop. I've been really into looping. I think that's something that in the trail world is like more value than in the road world, which is funny. Road, road warriors are just like, oh, I can do outbacks all day. And like, I absolutely can't do that. So I'm like getting on, making some sort of route, seeing where I want to run, checking the elevation, you know, trying to get that burden now. So what, what apps are you using to find your runs? Um, I use Strava and Map My Run and um, yeah, the Strava has heat maps, which is nice. So you can like tell where most people run, like what trails are popular, oh, nice. um, which is nice. But then I also use like apps like Trail Forks, All Trails. You know, you kind of know which ones are good in cer certain things. So kind of have a wide breadth of um you know knowledge for maps and i have just an old good old-fashioned map so wow you have like a paper map yeah i have it in my room actually and it's oh. all the flagstaff trails and i've highlighted every trail that i've done nice. it by the time that i leave flagstaff i want to have done them all i'm really close though that's a great yeah. idea yeah. i love that it's like the world map but just flagstaff yeah. there's a lot of trails there's in flagstaff. so many yeah i heard a one stat sometime that it's the most trails per capita town maybe in the u.s or maybe even larger i don't know maybe i misspoke fact check oh, that wow. <laughs> all right so I'm going to interrupt once again, but we are going to have a run for your treat. We were going to do mm -hmm. Hawaii, right? Mm -hmm. And people are probably like, what do you mean we're? <laughs> <laughs> and so after having a little mini summit with Jay and my little brother, Chad, mm -hmm. we decided to move the run for your retreat to Flagstaff, Arizona, mm -hmm. simply because of COVID and things are crazy and no one can drive to Hawaii. People might be able to drive to Flagstaff. <laughs> might True. be a little bit easier yeah. to get to for people. Phoenix, just two hours away. You can fly right into Flagstaff. So long story short, we're still having the run for your treat this summer. Mm -hmm. I believe it's, I'm not going to say the dates because I might get it wrong and I'm not editing it. Sometime in July. It's like mid-July, July 19th. Yeah, something like it, that. That's it. Yeah, that's I think it. it's July 19th that week. But we're doing it here in Flagstaff, which is going to be epic okay. in the summertime. Yes. So nice up here. But it, I'm very excited to hear about your trail experience because 
you're going to be an awesome guide. Yes. Oh, be yeah. Our trail yeah. guide extraordinary. So, what is your favorite trail that you found in Flagstaff so oh, far? Oh, man. That's tough. Um, so, the trails like Dry Lakes Hills. Um, up, near, up near Schultz, like you'd park at Schultz, but then you'd run. It's like the fuzzy hills that you see in Flagstaff in front of Eldon and Humphreys. Oh, All okay. those little fuzzy yeah, guys. Yeah. Those ones are really cool because you can get up, you know, climb a mile, like a thousand feet, and then you can like kind of run like through these dry lakes. It's like kind of an open meadow prairie, and then you can like bomb back down. Nice. Um, and they're like, you know, within a mile or two from where we live. And so, not that I'm running there every day, I definitely am building up my mileage in that, but I'm, it's the parking lot's about five minute drive, so no problem there. So let's go back, let's go back to your day in the life, I interrupted. Okay. So you find your trail, go out for your run. What kind of runs are you doing these days as trail runners? Yeah, um, let's see, so I'm doing lots of just slow, climby runs, you know, trying to build adaptation and muscles for de descending fast and then climbing efficiently. Um, climbing efficiency comes from just like running economy so just being fit as well building that aerobic base I'm historically a more speed-based athlete and so this is like a huge totally different realm than I'm used to and so I've got to really build on that aerobic side of things um, so really I've only been doing like just long base runs long long runs which is fun too I did rim to rim yesterday which was 21 miles in the Grand Canyon um, it was my second longest run ever, and I did a Grand Canyon run a month ago that was 27 miles. But you know, before this in track world, my longest run was 16, 17 miles. So, so, so how did it feel the first time going a marathon distance? Going tw that's an epic 27 miler. So how many feet of elevation gain did you have in that total? Ooh, that was like uh, like seven to eight thousand. And I was wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> did you run the whole thing without stopping? Well, I called it. I titled my run on Strava actually, 20 mile run, seven mile bonk, bonk, because I ran basically 20 miles and it was down the canyon, past Phantom Ranch, to these beautiful waterfalls back, and then by the time I hit like 20, 21 miles, I had 5,000 feet of climbing the south rim wall to go, and I could just barely make it. I was running not so much, so. I don't know. That's a they, thing, everyone though. says, oh, that was an ultra marathon. Like, ultra marathons, you're walking a lot. So I count it. It counts. 100%. <laughs> I mean, I ran 43 miles and it took me 12 hours. So you can guess how much walking I was doing. <laughs> it quickly came mm -hmm. to walking, especially mm -hmm. on those steep mm -hmm. uphill parts. Yeah. Let me tell you a hidden oh. trick, a gem of ultra running that no one knows about. Okay. Avalanche poles. Yeah, you buy avalanche poles. No one has them. Like trekking poles? Yeah, but avalanche ones. Yeah. Are they huge? Yeah, they're huge ones. So you can really oh, get a lot no. of leverage. Okay, yeah, but look at your biceps <laughs> versus mine. That's helping you. That's really holding me back. No, I'm, I'm just messing with you. I, I'm laughing at myself here because I almost bought almost avalanche bought poles oh. thinking they were trekking oh, poles. Oh, like lightweight ones. Yeah, yeah. and luckily the cash, cash like register. Like a beacon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cash register person when I tried to buy him was like, no, no, these are avalanche poles. Oh bowls. my gosh. Yeah, thank goodness you didn't run 43 miles with like 10 pump holes. <laughs> well, plus cause I was holding my water bottles too. Oh, yeah. oh my Which is, God. turns out a great trap exercise. So yeah. if you want to get like football yeah. size traps, hold your you water bottles. Vest, just handhelds? Yeah, just handhelds, yeah. Jeez, Drinking out of streams. Okay. Yeah. My brother saved my life by finding me in the middle of the forest when I was walking <laughs> and bringing water to me on a bike. Yeah, true that's story. That's a true story. Yeah. That's what you have coming your way. Yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, okay. I interrupted so, you again. Yeah, run, and the runs have been taking longer. So like eight miles now sometimes can take uh, ninety minutes, versus before eight miles would take an hour. And then I'd have like in the track world, I'd have an hour run in the morning, thirty minute double later. But so now yeah. because my time on feet so much longer, I can do it all in one run. I have a theory on this. What? I think they're all the trails are mismarked. Oh, I think yeah. they're all longer than they actually are. Yeah. Well, I think GPS doesn't get it one, and then two, I think they're <laughs> mismarked. So I think yeah, I can route like an eight mile route, and it's like eleven miles. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Even like I did Humphreys, and it's supposed to be like five miles up there, five miles back, or something, no. right? How oh, far yeah. is it? 
Some, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. But like I did it on my watch and it said it was like six miles up, six miles back. Yeah. And I did that ultra marathon and it said it was like 47 miles instead well, of 43 yeah. miles. I think in the forest and canyons, things are bouncing off the, the GPS is bouncing off the wall, like bouncing off things too. So yeah. it can be wonky, but. Can't trust that. You know, run for time, whatever. That's kind of my motto sometimes, but. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you're used to go, is it, how's the mental transition mm. being out there for longer? Yeah. How's that been? I love it. Like I didn't, so I, I, if I was given like a 12 mile long run on the roads just to go do solo, that would be like probably the worst thing ever to do. Like I would dread it. I would like tr really try to try to make it like a good experience, but I think it would just not be that great of an experience for me, but I have no problem being motivated for the roads. It's something I actually talked to someone about maybe your brother actually about on being on bikes. Like I never find it hard to be motivated to go out on a bike ride. It's the same thing I feel about trail running. It's totally different than road too. Like I, I did lose motivation in the road uh, for a number of reasons, but the trails I don't, I find that it's easy to get out because you can tell yourself, well, I'm going to run like 12 minute pace maybe. So it's easy. Like, okay, just go out there and like, it's going to be an adventure. Yeah. And like, you know, you have a pack or you have like snacks, there's some things that make things, it's I mean, just make it eat, a little better. You can eat sugar all yeah. day long, Oh, I'm Courtney. just downing yeah. the sugar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is perfect. You are a match made in heaven for trail running with Gosh, the sugar yeah. intake. Yeah. yeah. You're going to put all that to good use. Yeah. I'm definitely learning how to use like goos and gels and stuff. I kind of yeah. got myself in a gross situation yesterday with some GI issues, but it's a learning process too, because again, coming from a 3K background, you don't ever have to gel mm -hmm. out in a 3K, but... But perhaps you do when you sign up for a 50K. Right. Yeah. No, I ha I was surprised by that because I've always prided myself on having an iron stomach. Mm, I can yeah. just like eat right yeah. before I run, eat while I'm out yeah. there and rarely have problems. Yeah. I did that ultra even before I started drinking out of the streams. Mm -hmm. I was having problems yeah. out there. Like I could not eat. Mm -hmm. Like I ate way less calories that day. I ran 43 miles than I eat on a normal day. Yeah. I just yeah. couldn't stomach yeah. stuff. Nothing sounded good. Yeah. Mm hmm. I got yeah. to that point like 15 miles in yesterday and I knew, like I felt really good up until that point and then I got really nauseous because I, I downed this 210 calorie gel, which I'd it's never done boy. before. It was a big rock and it just sat in my stomach and I couldn't eat for the rest of the day. Well, for the rest of the run, which really put me in a hole. So yeah, definitely learning how to not just gorge yourself of sugar. Yeah. But so what, what works for you when you're doing trail runs? What sits well on your stomach? Have well, you found anything? Yeah, I've been trying spring. Okay, I'm not familiar with it's, them. It's a lot of times we describe it as we describe it in the running store world, which I worked at, um, as baby food consistency. It's like all really, it's not, you know, goo sometimes is like not very the most natural looking thing. This is just like kind of a fruit smoothie, like things blended together, pureed. And a lot of people don't like the taste because of that, but I really do, and it sits really well. But then I tried this coffee spring yesterday. It's 210 uh, calories, caffeinated, uh, and it just sat like a rock. Mm. It tasted great, but I just got to be careful. I think I might have over-caloried, which is mm. crazy. Yeah, you can dump too much at yeah. one time, and then you get in trouble, huh? And then you're drinking, like, sugary drinks, like right. scratch or something. Right. And that's an extra 100 calories, and you didn't realize right. you took in. And so, you yeah. know what got me during my ultra, too, is... Everyone's saying eat all this salty food, right? Mm. And But I was already like super dehydrated. Mm. And so then I got to a station, drank a whole bunch of water, then ate all this salty food, <laughs> drank more water. But then I kid you not, I left that station like five minutes later, I was just like parched from oh, all the salt. Thirsty. And I was just yeah. dying of yeah. thirst. <laughs> and it was gonna be like another like two hours before I got to the next oh, water station. I, yeah. I finished both my bottles. <laughs> That's when the drinking out of the stream commenced. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> so yeah. I I feel like you gotta like know even like the salt intake yeah, thing yeah. and how and to do that, right? Yeah, it's a huge learning curve. The more I talk to people in the trail ultra world, the more they're like, oh, it took me like a few years or long months to get that down. And so I'm like so fresh into it that I'm like, okay, I'll give myself some grace on that, but. So have you talked to anyone who is into being fat adapted and mm -hmm. doing it kind of ketogenic style? No. Cause I remember I talked to Rob uh, last name, Rob Carr. Carr. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he is. Back yeah. in the day. 
was he doing that? Was because he? I talked to him at a barbecue. This is what, years ago when I was yeah. still running professionally, and he was like dominating on the trail scene. I was like, dude, like, have you ever done any like fat ad- adaptation, like keto racing without taking in carbs, just taking in high fat stuff? And he he looked at me like a deer in headlights. He's like, oh, I have no idea what okay. you're talking about, huh. dude. You're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've never heard of that. Which is interesting yeah, because, right? you know, people do this in the real world, right? And you think in the ultra space, it might be effective because you're going so long. And the, the output of energy is relatively low compared to, say, a marathon or 10K or 5K, mm-hmm. you know? So you think there could be some benefits to that, mm-hmm. even like how it sits on your stomach yeah, and totally. how you could go forever yeah. without eating anything. Yeah. But it sounds like that's still not really a thing in the trail world. Yeah, I definitely found more vegan, plant-based runners in the trail world um but not any the ketos yet yeah yeah <laughs> ketos yeah interesting yeah maybe something you could even play with yeah i know see if it definitely need to up my nutrition game or figure something out that works because yeah it's no fun being just bonking because you can't take in calories it's so sad maybe you need more uh dino oatmeal yeah just pack the dino eggs. <laughs> just the eggs, though, not the oats. Just the eggs. Yeah. You can pick all the eggs out of them. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all right, so we're 20 minutes into this podcast, and we haven't finished going through your day, Courtney. <laughs> this could be an all-time long. We're going to have to upgrade the podcast. <laughs> yes. It's a need... three-parter. Okay, part yes, one. this could be a, a long. The first uh, part is just, just the first day. half of Courtney's yeah. day. <laughs> so you went for your run. Yeah. What does it look like after your run? Yeah, I usually try to get in some calories right after, um, like a, a shake or something. Not quite to the rhinol <laughs> extent that I experienced. So this is when you should be eating your sugar. Yeah, no, it's a sugary shake, though. It's okay. like the, you know, like, like a, a scratch Frappuccino recovery. from Starbucks. No, <laughs> not quite that. <laughs> but like, you know, a chocolate shake, sugary. That's pretty good. Um, okay. After big efforts, I'll have that. If not, then sometimes I just come home and pop a frozen burrito. Great. Another awesome nutrition <laughs> advice for me. Wow. Okay. Don't worry, guys. Courtney is not our nutrition expert. <laughs> you and Colin are blackballed She's, from the nutrition yeah, finger well, of fun I think free. it's important for people that need to hear no, that no, like, people right. can perform at a high level yep. and they don't have to be like yeah. calculating their eating. You know, yeah. And I'm not. And, and also we're all different to, too, yes, right? Exactly. I think that's really important. Yeah. It's like how I eat is not necessarily right. going to work for you. So. And some people are different. Some people need to be plant-based. Some people feel a lot better being super calculated with their calories. But for me, the frozen burritos, they work. They're pretty good too. Yeah. The Andy's ones. You know, it's a high quality oh, burrito. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Oh, you were thinking like the bomb. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, we used to, it's a funny story about the bomb, the gas station bomb. Yes, the gas station bomb. It's a huge bomb. one. It's like a one pounder, right? right yeah, or two yeah. pounder. 65 cents. Yeah. yeah. And so we would get that to heat up, like, if Sarah had, like, her knees were bothering her no or something. We'd way. get it, put it in the microwave. As a heat pack. You could use it as a heat pack. But then yeah. you would eat it. No, no, oh. <laughs> throw it in the trash. <laughs> so, side note, if you want a good heat pad and you're on the road traveling, gas station, bomb burrito, money. Wow. Yep. And now we're eating those. Great. <laughs> awesome. No, you said high-class burrito. Yeah, Annie's. Yeah, yeah. It's high-class, organic Annie's, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, eat, eat some lunch because by that time it's lunchtime, so eat more than just burrito, of course. Um and then usually Evan is home for lunch and we like binge an episode of The Office while we eat lunch. It's kind nice. of our routine. Recently. I love The Office. I know. So good. Or like scroll through YouTube to see if there's any like new YouTube trolls in the running world or oh, cycling world that's or something. Exciting. You, know, you should start a YouTube channel. <laughs> like a no, really good one no, with a lie detector. That's like a, <laughs> that's like a full-time job yeah, now. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I'm not that yeah. invested. Hold on. Favorite character from The Office. Oh. <laughs> Gosh. This is going to say a lot about you. Be yeah. careful with your answer here. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think Pam comes in with some really good, hard one-liners. Uh-huh. And she's like a, she's like an underdog. Like a, uh-huh. just totally like a dark horse in it. Like you don't see it coming, then she just makes something. And you're like, no, that's actually really funny because of her personality. You know? I like Pam. So, she's good. Yeah. Um, and then after that, probably back to, back to work. Um, or start looking at like recipes or something to make for dinner. Um, you a good cook? Yeah, I don't know. You should ask my husband that. I would. <laughs> I say yes. Uh, I cook mostly, and I I like planning and making. I like making something that's really good, 
like one night and then you like it's a big dish and then you can have it like for two more nights after which is nice because it's easy and like yeah. you don't have to put effort in yeah um i also love making desserts and pastries that's something that um once we move into a bigger space with a bigger kitchen i'll like really get into nice. the times that we've house sat people with big kitchens i like am all out on like croissant dough and making wow. like these three-day pastry things and so can we count on you to you breakfast croissants <laughs> yeah. for our run yeah. for your trip yeah for sure uh-huh just give me an <laughs> industrial sized kitchen yeah i'm good gotcha <laughs> i'll Perfect. start working on that now what's your what's your specialty though what? what's your favorite thing to make dessert oh dessert yeah. mm. ah, it depends on the season tonight i'm making an apple crisp yeah, yeah. Okay. so that's good you know nice Healthy. Yeah. Well, good. Thank you. Healthy. There you go. The dessert is healthy. I'm good. sure you're sweetening yeah. it with stevia, yeah. right? Yeah. No. Gross. <laughs> you haven't tried new stevia. The Another new side helpful really? thing here for our athletes. Stevia is not very good, but new stevia. Oh, in you really? oh, stevia okay. is way better. Get on Amazon. Huh. Little, little packets. They're purple packets. It's or like you can get powder. Plant-based sugar, though? Something yeah, like it's that? stevia. Stevia is a plant, and so it's a non-caloric sweetener. Okay. okay. Courtney's looking at me like she's never heard of this in her entire life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Sure. You guys definitely can buy this, but I'll be passing on that. Um, yeah, and then just doing some more work. Uh, I've been getting into doing um, yoga, like yoga classes in my house, which is funny. Um, like you're uh, doing like video yogas or what? Yeah. Like. I have a subscription to Peloton, nice. uh, or I'm using someone else's f subscription to Peloton, or either way. Um, don't we all just use everyone's subscriptions? Uh, and with a Peloton has really good like strength yoga classes. I've noticed a big weakness of mine is my glutes, and so yoga really helps me strengthen my glutes, and it's like 45 minutes to strengthen and relax like all in one, so I've really huh. been enjoying that. Yoga for glute strength. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy, because you realize if you're if you do a class or watch a class, it's like all glutes, which is really cool. Everything, like glute stabilization, and I yeah. really need that. So do some of that, um, and then maybe take Ovi out for a second run or a bike ride. I like to get our mountain bikes out and take Ovi on a little loop, and he runs beside us, and that's been really fun to do. Um, and then dinner, and then Evan and I usually just lay low in the evenings, and um, we might have friends over. We've been liking to host people. Um, just bring him over for dinner and get to know him better. Nice. Show him like a little bit of our side outside of running world or something. Um, and then, yeah, get ready for bed. Not too crazy of a day, but. Nice. How many hours of sleep are you getting usually? Oh, yeah. How are you doing in the sleep challenge? Yeah, yeah, are, you, are you tracking that? Yeah, I do the first two days of November and it's the 16th, so I have 14. <laughs> but I have it all tracked on the Garmin app, okay. which is nice. nice. I get like nine a night. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah so I great. might be in contention to win. There's some yeah. heavy sleepers really? out there. Oh, shoot. I think it's Daniel. He's sleeping like 12 or 13 <laughs> hours a night. Yeah. He's going to be tough. Wow. He's okay. going to be real tough. Okay. Yeah. No, like, I've been impressed with our, really? so we're doing a sleep challenge. If you guys don't know, not familiar with it, our run free athletes, they're logging their sleep for the month of November. Top three sleepers get a free pair of shoes, mm -hmm. running shoes, mm -hmm. pretty cool. But uh, yeah, there's some people crushing it out yeah. there. It's been good. Yeah. So I'm afraid, you know. You, you might be fighting a losing battle there, Courtney. <laughs> the coaches, though. Yeah. We're in our own challenge, right? No. Oh. No, we're in with other oh, athletes. Oh, yeah. okay. Daniel's, Daniel's killing gonna me. Daniel's going to get me. Yeah, I don't know who Daniel is, but he got me. He's going to get you. Okay. All right. Uh, sweet. Well, good to hear about your day. Um, I was going to let you just tell your story. Yeah, totally. So maybe just like how you got into running, mm -hmm. how you found it. Yeah. And then uh, super curious to hear more about like your transition mm -hmm. from – not just, most people go like track, road, mm. and then trails, mm -hmm. which I always thought I'd do that. Mm -hmm. Trails just, like I've done one ultra and I love being on the trails. Mm -hmm. I love being in the mountains. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I always thought I'd get into that, but yeah. then the way things are with my body is just like a no-go, yeah. you know, like it wasn't craving that anymore. But curious about your journey because you went straight track, straight to trail, so yeah. you kind of skipped the whole road thing. Yeah. So I really want to hear your thoughts on that. But, yeah, how did uh, how did you get into running? What's totally. your story with it? Yeah, so I got into it in high school uh, because the cross-country team at my high school was a way to make friends. And so I had known, like I was, you know, like had a – tendency to like running and so I was like oh yeah of course I'm going to be on this team like this is awesome I'll make good friends and so that was really awesome it set me up for a successful career there that launched me to the University of Kansas where I ran for five years 
And uh, in college, I had like lots and lots of ups and downs in my years, and um, it was cool to see like my path kind of paved there. That um, you know, I fell out of love with running essentially, like my third year and then fell back into love with it by my fifth year and so, i was able pause on that for a second yeah how does what did that look like for you mm. to fall out of love why yeah. why do you fall out of love with yeah. running because this might be something that's helpful for athletes yeah. being like avoid this yes. because this will make you fall out of love yeah and this running. is uh, it will be echoed in the my track to trail transition as well uh, but falling out of love of running to me was having identity issues and like an identity crisis of like I would come home from workouts that didn't go well because I was in my head about it and I would like my day would be ruined. I wouldn't be a good friend. I wouldn't be a good teammate. I would just be in my head about it and I'd be like, this just ruins everything. Like I'm just in a bad, sour mood. Um, and I realized why the root of that was because my identity was bound totally into running. And I started becoming, you know, I'm only a runner. I'm only surrounded by runners. Um, this is my life which is fine, but you need to watch that because that can be really toxic to certain people. It can be, it can lead you into like a really dark space. And so I think I got into a really dark place with that and essentially um, started hating it because of that, because it was provoking so much anxiety and so much worry. And I had like all these high expectations um, of who I thought I wanted to be and who I thought I could be, but I could never meet that because I wasn't balanced essentially. And I've heard people say balance is a false idea in your life. Um, that you go through seasons, um, but I think you can be striving toward that, right? You can be striving to uh, maintain an identity that's made up, compromised of a lot of different elements, right? And so I think it took me um, some time to uh, like re-nourish that relationship. And actually, this is a funny story. I don't know, maybe you do know this, but I actually got out of running so much that I ended up um, racing bikes on the road. Yeah. I was a road bike racer. I don't think I did know that. In the lowest category of women wow. for a summer. And I, and this was the time I was dating Evan. He got me into the biking scene, which was awesome. We went on this huge national park tour um, in the summer of 2016. And I didn't think about running. I didn't, you know, he wasn't a runner, so it was awesome. I didn't talk about running to anyone. I was just out in nature. And I was riding my bike with him and myself and just like getting to know this this side of me, the competitive side of me in a different way, right? And so then I was able to like, you know, run a f or race a few tours on the bikes, like local tours, and it was awesome because it was like, got me fired back up to run. And so I launched into that season of running, like really realizing why I wanted to run. And so I had to pick out the reasons what made me happy about running and, and realized that running was something that could only bring me joy. And it was no longer held space in my life to bring me down, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, keep the things in your life that are going to put you on these tracks to make you a joyful, happy, peaceful person and get rid of the stuff that is bringing you down and making you miserable. And so I had to, like, really reconcile that. And um, it's, yeah, a big learning experience through yeah. that. And so eventually, by my fifth year of college, I was able to just be set on this track of, you know, success in the NCAA, which was really cool. And I ended up becoming All-American um, in the steeplechase my final year. And it launched me. Um, by that time, Evan and I had decided to go to grad school um, in Flagstaff. But it's so cool. You can, like, look how God kind of placed all the blocks in your life to set you up to, you know, where you are now. And um, I was able to reach out to some groups out here and get involved in the professional running world because I was able to reconcile that relationship in college, um, which made me like, yeah, just put me here, which is really, really cool. And now how many years have you been in Flagstaff? So like two and a half. This is our third year. Um, so I came out to Flagstaff and I trained with, <laughs> I always, I just laugh so hard because everyone's like, oh, what group do you train with in Flagstaff? I'm like, well, I've actually trained with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be a great person to yeah. recommend a future yeah. pro runner, which yeah, group would they sit well in, yeah, in any Flagstaff? Yeah, insights on the groups here. I've definitely been a part of all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now the trail scene. So yeah, yeah. I think I'm well-versed in Flagstaff yeah. and I feel sometimes like, oh my gosh, I'm just jumping around. But I really do think that I found the right niche for me now. Um, and unfortunately, it takes a lot of like success and failures in other ways to like get you there. Yeah. But, um, a lot of suffering. But so yeah, I raced um, competitively, professionally on the track for 
two years post-collegiate and I was able to qualify for um, some U.S. championships on the track. I was a, I'm a steeplechaser um, and so last year, 2019, I placed eighth at the U.S. Championships outdoor track, which uh, led me to uh, represent the United States um, in a meet in Europe called USA versus Europe. And it was really cool to wear United States jersey and feel like, like I had almost achieved like a benchmark in the professional running world of like wearing that jersey. Not like it was an Olympic team or anything, but it was a really cool experience to feel like my hard work was paying off and I, you know, this is where I was supposed to be. And I actually came back from that trip and I started running trails with some people here and I had no motivation to get back on the track, which was crazy. Um, and so I took a little like month of, you know, just running trails, figuring things out and I joined a different group. And I thought this was the group that, you know, was you know, my next step and this was going to launch me back into the love of track that I had missed. And, um, and I think it did for for some months and I did have success um, on this previous group and it was a good experience, but uh, I think this past year has been full of a lot of that identity crisis issue again that came back, um, you know, being defined solely by running, being in the professional world, you even have like a harder, t I think it's even harder to prioritize a b more balanced life and so I think that drained me. I, through a series of kind of unfortunate coaching relationships that I've had in Flagstaff, um, coach athlete and then, you know, teammates, athlete athlete, I just realized that the professional track world might not be where God was calling me and that I wasn't, you know, being fulfilled as um, a daughter of him and I wasn't able to like be who I fully felt like I was being called to be and I, I had to rec recognize that and be like this is making me miserable this is bringing me down and um, you know like I said earlier you have to realize the stuff that's bringing you down and making you negative and then the stuff that's making you positive and happy and and you have to make sometimes those hard decisions to get that out of your life and so it was a hard process for me this year of deciding to step away from the track um, and I think I held on to this identity issue of, well, I've always told myself I'm going to be a stable chaser. I've always saw myself at the Olympic trials. I always saw myself chasing after that Olympic dream or how close I could get to it. And in reality, I think that was just pressure and expectation I was telling myself. And nobody else was telling me that, right? So, and no one else is telling you that, like whoever's listening, like whatever you want to do, that's because you've chosen that. And I think at some point you need to stop and think, is this what I really want? Is this what I really enjoy? Um, is this bringing me like to be the best teammate, the best wife, the best friend I can be? And um, like I said, ultimately it wasn't. And so hard decisions, but hard decisions make the best or like the best ones to make because they can change a lot in your life. And I think a lot of times I've been telling people we get on these tracks, just telling yourself this is who you are. But, uh, but you can change that and you can change your life and it's really cool to do that and then to come out on the other side and be like, I remember the day after I made my decision, I woke up and I just felt lighter, like mm -hmm. I didn't have a burden. Yeah. And so yeah. um, this is maybe like um, a month and a half ago. And so, yeah, I've been training on the trails. I'm not sure what that looks like, where it'll lead, um, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying to hold back those expectations because I want to be just really present in it and just enjoy it for what it is and be happy that I'm happy. Yeah. So. Man, that's good stuff. A lot of that resonates with me and my mm -hmm. story as well, you know? Yeah. Um, I think for myself, thinking about choosing to get into the marathon, mm -hmm. you know, I was so stubborn. So like you talk about self-expectations yeah. we put yeah. on ourselves. I had so much expectation of I had to be a miler for a long time. Then I finally moved up to the 5K and then I had to be a 5K runner and I wasn't going to mm -hmm. go to the yeah. any marathon stuff. And when I decided to move to the marathon, it wasn't normal for like guys who are 23, 24 yeah. years old to move to the marathon yeah. that early. It's kind of seen as like, you do this mm -hmm. after you already had yes, a successful right. track. 
So it's kind of similar to a position where you're in, where you're still young. You turn 26 next month, 25, 26. Yeah, tw I'm 25, turn 26 in January. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you're pretty young to be going to the trails. Most I've people. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Like you're only 20. Like you have so much time to do this, and yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So how have you? How's it been for you handling that aspect mm -hmm. of it? Yeah. Of like doing something that's a little bit outside mm -hmm. of normal, outside the box, yeah. and now having to tell. Yeah person after person actually i'm not going to the track trials you know in the running space everyone's like it's all about the olympics all yeah. about the track trials yeah. everyone's always asking how's your training for yeah. the track trials yeah. going yeah. and every single person now you gotta be like actually i've stepped away from the track yeah. or you just lie and be like i don't want to talk about yeah. it <laughs> yeah. no like it's good because i think some like like i said i had some relationships in the track world that weren't healthy in my life and i had to get rid of those and and i think sometimes those people would s those people might see me moving to the tra trails as a failure and i think a lot of times maybe people in the track world will see that and say oh well she couldn't make it so she's a trail runner and that's just the exact opposite of the reality the reality is like this is a huge success for me and this is this is like such a good decision and i since I'm so confident in that, I'm able to, if someone asks, be like, oh, no, that like wasn't for me, but like this is where I am. Yeah. And, and because I have so much confidence in that, it's because I felt like I was, I sat on it and I really thought through it and I really listened to the voices in my head during that time, um, I'm able to like be really confident in the fact that that's not for me. And I think th another important decision in this was I didn't want to walk away from the track with a completely damaged, severed relationship with running. Mm -hmm. I noticed the negativity, I noticed what was happening, and I decided in order for me to still love running, I need to change directions, right? Because you can get to the point where you're so damaged mentally, physically, whatever it is, that you now are sad about it. And I'm not sad that that happened, and I'm not sad about the trials. Like, I've talked to several people that were like, I was so injured and I had such a bad coach relationship that I got to the point where I, I didn't run for three years and I sat and cried and watched the trials. And that's not going to be me because I'm gonna be so happy to watch the trials. I'm gonna be so happy to be out there and be back on the track watching those people get to do that. But at no point will I be like jealous that that's not me, you know? So that's again tied into that identity of that's yeah. not me anymore. Yeah. And that, you know, I have other things and I wanna be at I have career goals and goals as a friend and a wife and you know, there's so many so many other things out there that that make me balanced and ultimately I won't be sad about yeah, that. Yeah, so, definitely. That makes sense. So moving into the trails, mm -hmm. it sounds like you're just like feeling very light, very free, in yeah. a very good spot mm -hmm. now with this. So I'm curious, like as you move into like right now, you're doing all these cool trail runs and mm -hmm. stuff, and I think you did one race, right? Have you done a race? Mm -hmm. Yeah, ish. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. half a race. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> but like as you transition, like are you like like fully jumping in with both mm -hmm. feet and being like, I wanna perform at a high level mm -hmm. or is it more just like, let's see where this goes? Yeah, and... that's a really good question. And that's like the two sides of my like I've been uh pulled both ways with that. Because I need to remember that I I was saying earlier to you that um coming from the professional track world you have high expectations of yourself you think well i got to the highest level i could be at in my sport so i'm going to transition this way and i'm going to be at the highest level and that's not always the case um i think that i have goals to be really good on it but i i do need to like really listen to like where i'm at in it and um something i'm listening to things that are coming out through the trail community or just you know how i'm interacting with the trails or how i'm feeling I'm learning a lot about myself as a runner. And so I think that's really important to uh, just be able to grow as a runner in that. So yes, I do want to be good and I want to race at a high level. And I've been told, oh, you could be world-class, you could be world-class time and time again. And I can't just buy into that and think, well, I, it's gonna be easy. It's gonna be given to me because it's not. It never was in the track world. Like I had to go through so many ups and downs to get to that success that I was able to get to. Um, and so I have to remember that I'm starting like at square one. Mm -hmm. Sure, I have a a speed base and that'll help with the shorter races but I have to really like watch that and so I don't get like three steps ahead of where I am you know and so I'm humbled each day and like I said I ran rim to rim yesterday and 
and I just am humbled by how much I suffer and how much I'm still weak in it. And I know that um, if I was able, if I were to go out and do a really long race, I wouldn't be prepared. And so I was also saying that I've been learning things about myself through that. And one of those things is how bold I've been. I've never felt like I've been a bold person. I would never be bold in the track world. If someone gave me a workout that I felt like I couldn't do, I would be like, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. And, but for some reason in the trail world, I've just been like trying to do these things and attempting to do these things that are probably three or four years what I should be doing down the road, you know? But I think it's so cool to test my limits and to really like feel human in it and yeah. be like, this is really yeah. hard and I'm not strong enough, yeah. you know? And so... So where's that boldness coming from? Like how come it wasn't there on the I, track yeah. and it is here? Isn't that really interesting? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's because I set expectations and limits on myself on track. I had like created this box and this is where I was in the track world, right? But in the trail world, it's interesting because there's long course, short course, sky running, um, ultra marathon, like 24 hour races, 100 mile, whatever. There's so much there that I'm just soaking it all in. And I just want to see what those feel like, what that is like, what the community is like. And I'm just like a sponge soaking it all up. And I think that's why I'm so bold in it because it's not familiar Yeah. because ever since I was you know, 15 years old, I've been going, or 13 years old, I've been going to practice for track, track practice, track practice for 10 straight years. And now I don't have track practice and it's a whole new world. And so it's really cool to just see like totally like, all right, let's just do it. You know, and all my, my trail friends are like, wow, you're just, you're just like doing these things that I would have never done if I was in your position. And I don't see it that way. I just see it as like really fun adventures to see yeah. and test my limits. Uh, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Because yeah. it's crazy like, I think when it, when it comes to track running and road running, a lot of like your inspiration has to kind of come from within, yeah. right? It's like you got to like right. come up with something deep down inside you to push uh -huh. through that workout, push through that race. Whereas like in the trail world, you're inspired from within, but you're also inspired from what you're seeing, yeah, everything out there. So good. You know, it's yeah. like, it's very easy to take your focus off of yourself yeah. and what you're going through and just like, okay, I'm in Grand Canyon right yeah, now. Like exactly. I have still have seven miles to go up this super steep hill, but yeah. like, look at what I'm around right mm -hmm. now and like find mm -hmm. inspiration from yeah. things outside yourself is That's super so powerful. Yeah. So uh, what are your bucket list trail races to do? What's oh, on your list? Well, the funny thing is I don't even know trail races, right? I'm uh -huh. getting like, someone says, oh, do this race. And I'm like, I've never heard of that. What is that? You know, of course everyone he has heard or most people have heard of Western States. Yeah. You know, that's hundred miles. Like yeah. I think that's way down the road if I ever am actually good at long stuff. Who knows? I don't even know what I'm good at. Um, so yeah, I don't have any bucket list races, but I would say I want to get into the shorter trail races. I think that's currently where I'm at, that will, that will suit me well. Yeah. Um, classic me and my boldness, I signed up for a 50K in two weeks in Phoenix, which is hilarious. That's 31 miles and yep, never run that far. And What's the course like? Um, or what's the name of the race? It, it's in the McDowell Regional Park in Phoenix. So it's like, there's like, you know, two kind of bigger climbs. It's not extremely high elevation vertical, you know, be coming from Flagstaff to Phoenix, which will feel a little bit nicer to go down to the desert and get sea level. But, but yeah, that's, those are like more like now I want to test my limits. So I'm doing this Canyon running and this long 50 K. But I think after that, I kind of got out of my system. I'll sit down and be like, what do I want to do for 2021? You know, maybe the U S mountain championships races will pop up and I can start, you know, doing the short courses or, you know, those like six to 15 mile races, I yep. think would really suit me well. Nice. Yeah. What about, uh, you got to have some curiosity. What could you run a marathon in? No, Maybe this is just as my, yeah. No, that's so funny. No? Absolutely not. That's Zero horrible. curiosity. No. I actually was thinking about that today. I was like, mm, three hours. What? <laughs> that's fine. Your PR is going to be from like within a trail race. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. So no, no curiosity. I have no, I have no inkling of desire to do that, which is funny. I've gotten that yeah. a lot. People are like, well, you'll like race 10Ks on the road, right? I'm yeah. like, no, that sounds horrible. Okay. <laughs> it's on a road. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Teach their own. Yeah. Um, so as you get into the trail stuff, have you thought about like, well, how am I going to approach this if like running becomes, it starts to 
grab too much of my life again it becomes too much my identity and mm-hmm. you start experiencing some of the things you've experienced mm-hmm. in your journey before mm-hmm. if those things you can feel those like yeah. starting to pop back up like what's your strategy kind of for keeping yeah. those at bay that's really good it's like spidey senses yeah um well i think yeah the trail like the trail world because the efforts are so much longer it can take up a lot of your time um and ultimately Evan and I might be moving next year somewhere, not into a super, you know, this Flagstaff is like a trail, trail runner's dream, one of those. And so I think I have this idea of let's give it my best shot. Let's see what happens. But I've been through so much hurt with that identity issue that I don't ever want to, you know, keep that close at bay anymore. And so I think something that helps me be present is just like, praying and journaling every morning Mm. and asking God to make me not just a runner, but make me more balanced in other ways and um, give me opportunities to do other things. And so I think things, you know, like I have a dream to become an academic advisor next year. And so if I could do that, maybe part-time or full-time and and maybe, you know, work in the running with that and see how that goes. But um, I'm being a good coach, like being able to mentor in certain ways that, um, puts my focus again not on yourself so just making it feel like you know so I don't have a coach I don't have a plan and so I think that makes it a lot just I'm at I can just do whatever mm-hmm. and it's not yeah, like freedom. all about me yeah. yeah and so when sometimes you have a plan and it's written and this is your coach and telling you what to do um, and you want to be that good at that then I think you can get in your head about it and be like this is the only thing that I, ha- I have going on for me you know but for me right now, I need that freedom of just, if I want to run, I'll run. If I don't, I don't. And so I'm still in that area, that headspace. Um, but if I ever do feel like that coming on, I think I've, you know, I've been through it in the college scene and the professional scene that I would like, I would really know really how to stop that. Um, I would hope, but of course we all make mistakes, right? Who knows? You know, in five years, I'll become a mountain biker. <laughs> it's the same podcast. Now I should turn into mountain biking. <laughs> but no. I don't know. I think I pick up, like, I learn a lot from each of those transitions. And there's a lot of, yeah, hurt in it. And so I know where to not be and not mm-hmm. go so far in that I can't crawl out. You know? yeah. So. yeah, you can recognize when things start popping back up and be like, okay, mm-hmm. like, I can tell this has come back up. Yeah. And, and you know how to deal with it yeah. when it does. It's hard to put into words, but yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so I love we're talking about identity here. So maybe just take a second, like having the experience that you've had with running, kind of becoming an idol, becoming too important, like running. I think we've all felt like that, yeah. where sometimes it's like you have a goal, but you feel like the goal really has you, mm-hmm. you know? It's like this yeah. goal is possessing you. Mm-hmm. And then you're having that, like you mentioned, you have that bad workout, ruins your whole day, puts you in a foul mood with your friends, like you're just no fun to be around. So I think, you know, a lot of our athletes are highly motivated people, which is great, right? With big goals, which is great, right? But how do, what would be your advice to athletes be like, hey, like let's let's do have this high level goal we're going after. Let's go after it with everything inside of us. But here are some helpful things for you to think about, about how to not let that goal possess yeah. you. That's good. Yeah, it's tough because, oh, I don't know. That's a really hard question. So, you know, as an athlete, as humans, we have certain amount of energy that we can put toward anything a day, right? So if you're a mom, you have energy to put toward your kids or a father. If you, you know, are a dog owner, if you are, you have a work, you work somewhere, a teacher, whatever, you have responsibilities. And so what I always tell my athletes is let running be a part of that. But again, like I said, only bring in the good part about it. You know, don't ever let it be something that's then draining your energy from another one of those things. So, you know, a helpful thing that I write out and my journaling is what am I? Who am I? You like, do we ever actually talk about that? Like uh-huh. if you were to sit down and ask someone, who are you? What, what are you? Like, I feel like a lot of people would be numbed by that. They wouldn't know what to say. And so write that out or think through that and, and put those lists of things. Like, what are you? Who are you? What do you have responsibilities toward? Um, and then like on the other side of that, what do you want to accomplish in those? And, and then once you have all those 
written out in your head or whatever on paper, you're realizing, okay, well, this is how much energy I can give to this if I want to do this. So say, like, I am a mom and I aspire to have another kid or to raise my child really well. Well, if you're too focused on your running goal, you know, you're going to be compromised at that. And so just realizing where those compromises ebb and flow and what you can give and what you can't give. Now, there are, all of that being said, there's seasons, right? There's seasons of life where you can give more to one thing. And so another thing I, I talk about with athletes is if someone works a job or does something where they have time off, well, then let's really, really become a runner there. But then let's come back out and not mm -hmm. be a runner there because ultimately for you to have that motivation, for you to be happy with that, and to ultimately, really, for you to accomplish those goals, you have to go in and out of that. I always remember my college coach, say, coach saying, in the two weeks leading up to, um, like the semester starting when we came back for camp, right? He was like, these are your two weeks to become a professional runner. Now do that, and then now we have to realize, okay, we're gonna be a student athlete the rest of the time, mm -hmm, not just an athlete. Mm -hmm. And student comes before athlete, right? So. Um, just the seasons too, realizing when you can give more and when you can't. And I think it's it's important to take some time, whether it's like, I don't know, you do a running retreat a year, or you take one week and go by yourself and you do these cool runs you always wanted to do, or you're taking the, that Boston Marathon weekend and that's your weekend. Have those times to really be the runner, but then you realize like you have to come back and live a normal life because um, you're human and you have responsibilities and it's really good thing to do those have those responsibilities and realizing that being a mom or being a teacher or whatever it is those are also really good just as good as running um, that's a big thing that I always talk about with athletes and then the other thing is which is kind of funny is realizing that and I don't this isn't to sound like negative by any means or to sound condescending but realizing that sometimes People don't care about running, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. have some fun with it and relax. Yeah. Like, it's sometimes way too serious. And some of my athletes are way more serious than I've been in my running career. And I'm like, you know what? You need to take a chill pill. Like, not, like, <laughs> being rude about it. But, like, you know what? Yeah, so what? You ran out of Boston. Who actually knows that? Who actually yeah. cares other than you, right? So you, so realizing, not really that no one cares, but people do care, but you are putting that pressure on yourself. Yeah. And so that's all based on what you're telling yourself you're capable of. And so I think a really important thing about a coach-athlete relationship, like a really healthy one, is for the athlete to be able to put some of that on the coach, right? So say, I'm not, like you tell me my goals, you tell me what I'm capable of, and I'm not gonna worry about it, right? Uh -huh. Whereas sometimes if the coach isn't acting like that, or the athlete takes on all of that, then that athlete becomes them solely identified by running right. where really the coach athlete relationship can offset that a little bit and the coach can be someone that's saying don't worry about it we're going to get this done and then that will set you up to run this exact time yeah. and that's all you need to know because it's science and it's the body and sure on a bad day you're going to run this on a good day you're going to run this and somewhere in between is probably what you're going to run you know yeah um, well it's a beautiful thing i think for an athlete to just be able to trust a coach mm, too oh just, the trust yeah yeah like i think that's to me one of the most important things of the yeah. coach athlete relationship and kind of like what you're saying if the athlete can just be like i just trust you know my coach mm -hmm. he knows how fast i can yes. run and my progression yeah. and what it should look like and so i don't even have to worry about right. it like you're saying yeah so that that's, is really big. That's good. I love it. You're reminding me a lot of the stuff my dad used to tell me when I was a kid when I'd start putting a lot of pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. Like he'd always tell me like, there's a million people in China that don't know what you're doing right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just little things to remind yeah. you that, yeah, it's not such a big deal. Mm -hmm. Or like yeah. I used to visualize myself driving past my future self. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like at a race and I'd visualize my like 60 year old self driving past and just like looking from the outside and just being like oh that looks like a fun little race you know not oh, really knowing yeah, what's not going really on. like knowing yeah what the heck's going on. Yeah, yeah and just being like that's gonna be me in yeah. like 30 or 40 yeah. years and this real it because when you get past something it's like you go back to the state meet in mm -hmm. cross country in high school oh. after you've already been through it and it looks like such a small yes. potato yeah. it's like not a big deal yep. and you're like why was i so nervous yes, in so this nervous, race right yeah yeah running the running world is, is just so small as is any cultural world you know sport world or whatever it's just so small and so you need to remember that like there are greater things out there 
um, and let running become one of those great things, but not the great thing. Right. You know, so. yep. Yeah, when running is in its right place, it's a beautiful yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. When it's not in its right place, it can Destroy. eat you up. Yeah, it's it destructive. Can, be so non-life-giving yeah it's crazy so you know when I think about like what do I truly want for our run free athletes mm -hmm. is obviously the name of our company is run free right and yeah. like this is a big big part of running free is like not making running too important yeah. not making it your god not yeah. making it everything so good. like when it's just a hobby it can be super mm -hmm. fun because you don't feel all this weight and pressure mm -hmm. in it you know mm -hmm. but when it's your everything when it's defining you it's defining your day mm -hmm. it can just ruin your mm -hmm. life yeah it really can yeah it's I crazy it. you can experience something so beautifully in one way and then so differently if your heart's mm -hmm. in a different spot mm -hmm. you know yeah Very true. so i think this was a super important conversation i know it's been fun for me to hear your story and stuff and i appreciate you taking the time to share with us mm -hmm. one final black book i have an fbi looking black <laughs> book that i'm holding right yes. now that courtney's been staring at the whole time mm -hmm. nervously waiting for the question the question at the end the final question are you ready <laughs> oh yeah what are your future dreams and hopes oh gosh for some reason i thought you were going to ask me the question of what's your favorite thanksgiving food do you want that question? <laughs> you can answer that one and then answer mine. <laughs> I, don't, I just had a feeling that's what it was going to be, and then you just give me this humongous question. Yeah. All right, favorite Thanksgiving food is cheesy <laughs> potatoes with little frosted flakes on top. <laughs> what? Oh, gosh, here I go again. No, does it really here. have frosted flakes yeah, on top? Yeah, that's how my parents cheesy. made it. That's how I make it now. Hold on, cheesy what? Thing? Cheesy potatoes. They're like little shredded hash brown, like casserole dish. I mean, okay. I'm from the Midwest, so everything's casseroles. Um, everything and so you cheesy potatoes cheese hash browns you know and then you just put a layer of frosted flakes on top pop it in the oven mm. yeah okay that's good that's really weird <laughs> yeah. okay okay my hope Ooh, what, was the question? <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your hope and dream for the future for the future oh man okay it's a big question mm. i hope and dream that i can be a joyful, adventurous, and mentoring. That doesn't make any sense. Those three, those, those three words came out. So joyful, mm -hmm. adventuring, and mentoring. Um, joyful being, having the joy and knowing that I'm created by a good God and that God is good and he will pave our path and that I can trust him in that. Adventurous meaning that I am using that joy to find um, other loves of, you know, whatever, whatever this trail world may become or not, um, just being able to tap into that adventurous spirit that I feel like I always have had and always will have. And then mentoring, um, being in a position that I'm continuing to mentor each day. Um, and so whether that's coach as a coach or an advisor or a teacher, whatever that may look like, I'm not exactly sure. But um, if I can have those three things, I feel like I would, um, am like pursuing a, and accomplishing a really big goal. Nice, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love too how you can experience that in so many different yeah. ways, you know? Yeah. Like it doesn't lock you down to being like, yeah. run a marathon yeah. in under two yeah. hours or whatever, yeah. you know? Like yeah. you can experience that in a lot of different cities, a lot of different places, a lot of different jobs. And yeah, I think that's a good thing about goals is having them, but they're flexible, right? right? Like right. they can work in- Flexigals. Flexigals, yeah. yeah. Flexigals. They can look like different things. <laughs> yeah. But also, yeah, I want to run a marathon in under 220, so I'm <laughs> But mainly I want to run a marathon under 220. Absolutely not. Marathon project. You're going. Yeah. This year. As a photographer. Yeah, yeah. Pho photographer's assistant. Perhaps. <laughs> so, sorry, last question. Because yeah. I just remembered a conversation I had with Colin, who's mm -hmm. a high school athlete that I coach. Shout out to Colin. Who's from Kansas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I asked him this question, what's your favorite thing about Kansas? Mm. And I think he said something really random, like the roads. The casseroles? No, he just said like the roads, like yeah, the I roads they that. drive That's on. That's a classic Kansas runner thing to say. Yeah, what would you say? What's your favorite thing about Kansas? Um, I love the community. Like the community's great. It's a really, um, I was born in Kansas City, born and raised in Kansas City, and then I moved to Lawrence for um, college and before we moved here. And so Lawrence is like a smaller town, 90,000 people. Um, like college town 
Uh, Kansas City is a bigger, bigger city, but in both places, I felt like there was this really nice, close-knit community. And people in the Midwest just, I think, take things, just see the world maybe a little bit differently culturally, you know? And so it, it always felt like a small town to me. In Flagstaff, I, we do feel that now, um, but it's, it's more transient here, you know, in the west side, mm -hmm. people move around. And it just, it's interesting, we go back and it's like, oh, now things change, and sometimes that's nice, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, the community, people there are really great. Nice, yeah. yeah, actually, I've been to Kansas a couple times, yes. and I really love the, yeah. the people there. Yeah. They do have a good feel yeah. to them. People are nice. Yeah. And yeah. they make good casseroles. Casseroles, they <laughs> And lots of sugary cereal. <laughs> That's that's where you got that. This is the culture that I'm fighting against yeah. about the sugar cereal culture. Well, do you know one of my favorite camping and trail running snacks is pop tarts? <laughs> oh no, that's actually that's my brother's go-to. Oh okay, good. Saying. That's not weird at all. Oh okay, good. good and that's carbs, also right? yeah. And sugar. Yeah. Okay. I was eating those in my uh, ultra. Oh okay, good. Yeah. That makes me feel a little bit better about myself. Sugar cereal, but he can eat pop tarts. Jeez, no, Louise. no, no. It's it's all about timing, Courtney. <laughs> you have to time your sugar intake properly. Yeah, okay. I'm all about the sugar, yeah, yeah. just either in the workout or directly yeah. after the yeah. workout. Okay, okay. But I don't know, like the, the casserole thing, I just can't stop thinking about it now. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. All right, we'll invite you over for yeah. Thanksgiving. Perfect. <laughs> all right, well, thank you, Courtney. Appreciate yeah. your time. Thanks for being such an amazing run free coach. Mm. I know all of our athletes that work with you just love working with oh, you. Oh, thanks so. for being a good boss. Yeah. <laughs> boss, boss man. How come I didn't get a coffee cup that says world's best boss? Yeah, or like a podcast coffee cup, you know? I know. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Next time. Nothing's going to replace my 40 ounce coffee cup. <laughs> so. Unless it says world's greatest boss on it. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys can steal it and paint that if you so like. All right. Thanks, Courtney. Yep.